So welcome to Freedom Ministries tonight at Wellspring Church in Evansville, Indiana. And I'm praying that tonight that you have an experience of God in this place. With Freedom Ministries, Freedom Ministries was birthed out of the, out of a desire and prayer that men and women's lives would not be changed, but transformed by the power of Almighty God. Through the renewing of our mind, through the teaching and discipleship, through the Word of God, that we would be able to experience the truths and the promises of God together, here and now, on this side of eternity. Amen. And as part of Freedom Ministries, we have five key biblical truths that we stand on that is our foundation. And our foundation lies in forgiveness, obedience, thankfulness, godly relationships, and godly boundaries in and through our lives. And thank you, Lord. As we're going to start this study tonight, I handed you a handout last week for Life's Compass. For a few weeks, we're going to be looking at this together. And every week, I'm going to give you another section. So at the end of this study, you're going to have your own study compiled to have at your house. That you could go over with your friends, maybe in your local church, that God leads you uh, to give you a resource Something to go back to in conjunction with the Word of God in order to be able to help encourage you, in order to maybe help uh, give instruction to somebody else that's struggling. Uh, We're here tonight for the Holy Spirit to readjust our mind. As our mind is our compass in life, our mind is what tells our feet where to go. Our mind is what dictates and tells our hands what to do. Our mind is what tells our lips how to open and our tongue to move a certain way to speak certain words. So it's our mind that God is concerned about changing and transforming into this whole new creation so that we don't think the same way that we once did. Because out of our mind, out of our hearts, out of the abundance of our minds and our thinking and our heart will flow rivers of living water when our trust is put in Him. So tonight, as we uh, go into this study, we spoke a little bit last week and I've been kind of mentioning over the past month or so here as we've been digging into a little bit of this, just the surface, um, about how compass direction works on the earth. That you can't just pick up a compass and just go out and get a concordance somewhere and start navigating to a specific concordance and you reach your destination. Oh, there's a, there's an underlying factor that we have to learn, which is uh, called declination. Declination is the magnetic pull of the earth. So depending on where you are at on the globe, if you pick up a compass right here in Evansville, Indiana, and it has not been adjusted off a topo map for the magnetic pull of the earth, where it says true north is, is not true north. It's close, but it can be one degree, two degree, three degrees off, depending on where you are on the globe. So as you adjust that, a true compass will have a setting to where you can move and you adjust this dial and it moves the needle. That needle is to account for the magnetic pull of the earth so it points toward true north. So 
as you are reading your uh, your concordance, or you have your um, the numbers that you're navigating to to be able to find a specific place, as you use this secondary map, you'll be able to reach your destination with perfection. But if you are to remain unadjusted, and I had done just a little bit of research on this, it says that if uh, if you was off one degree, just one, you could be off your destination by a hundred foot per mile traveled. So that means literally, if you traveled three thousand miles and you was only one degree out of adjustment, by the time you reached where you were supposed to end up you would be 56 miles off course. 56 miles, you can't even see the destination. It's not even tangible. It's not something that you can even uh, put to, to the eye. If you go up to the highest mountain, maybe you might be able to see a glimpse. But that's where the enemy wants to keep us as a child of God, as He wants us to remain unadjusted out of the Word of God as we look at this compass being our mind, since we're all traveling this destination, we look at the declination factor of life that wants to pull us away is the pull of the world. It's the pull of the enemy. It's, it's the things that wants to take us away from God's presence, that wants to adjust our needle off from course, off from true north. And we look at our topo map as being the Word of God. Because the Word of God shows us every area that we are in life, no matter how old you are, whatever process, wherever you find your feet right now, whatever situation that you see that you're facing, whatever that it is that you're walking through, the Word of God has an answer. And as we become adjusted... As we become adjusted to God's Word and to God's truth, then God's Holy Spirit comes in and as He transforms our mind, as we read these truths, as the Word of God identifies us in areas of our life and situations and circumstances, and He shows us the way out. So we reach our destination, which is Him. Each and every one of us that has submitted our life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, our destination is Christ. Our destination is to experience the truths of God's Word and His freedom, not only on this side of eternity, but with Him in heaven. Amen? Amen? So for every step that we take in life, There's an adjustment that's to be made when we find ourselves in a place that we've never been before. When every year that rolls across the calendar that we've never been before, every year that you get another year older, you've never been there before. It does not matter how long that you have been seeking the Lord and how long you've been in church and how long that you've been in prayer. God has to remain fresh in us. Because these are situations and circumstances that's different than ones from the past. They may have similarities. 
There may be battles that we have overcome in the past through the presence of the Lord, and we have studied His Word, and as we grow in maturity in the Lord, He takes us another distance of life, and then the enemy changes his approach and his attack based off the last attack. So he knows that now you're guarded in one certain area, and maybe you have got this specific truth of the Word of the Lord down, but now he's going to find another angle to find any breach in our armor, any breach in our mind that we're not prepared for. See, that's one thing that is so interesting about when you start looking in the compass navigation and how that you use these maps. It's so much different than the instantaneous direction that we receive from Google. Because your Google map doesn't show you the obstacles ahead of time. It tells you the immediate. Take this turn here, turn here, turn there. But as soon as it cuts off, you don't know where you are. Because you on your phone, you haven't been able to see any surroundings outside of where it shows your little arrow at. You see, when you navigate off a map, old school, Jeremiah 6.16, the Lord told His people, stand in the ways and see. Ask for the old paths, which is the right way, and walk therein. And then you will find rest for your souls. But they said no, and they refused to walk, and they didn't find the rest. He says, stand still for a moment and just see. Look. Look right now. Just Focus on where you are in this moment. Not where you was yesterday. Not where you're about to go tomorrow. We're talking about the right now. He said, stand here and see. That means to gaze in all directions. Okay, Lord. I'm, I'm looking from this place. From this view. Not an elevated, not a decline view, but where I am right now. And He says, now... Quit asking for the new. And quit asking for the improved. Start asking for the old. Something that has been time tested. Start asking for the old ways that seen your ancestors through times of difficulties. Through the Word of God. Start focusing on what has been test time proven through time and has succeeded and has never failed. And He was leading them into His presence to look toward Him. And that's what we want to do tonight as we start to peer in a little bit in God's Word. God's Word gives us the same declaration today. He's asking us these same questions as He's telling us to stand still for a moment. Let's look together through some things in life. Let's peer through your life for a moment of where you are, all the hell and the chaos that's breaking out right now, things that's out of your control that wants to get you emotionally pulled from one way to the other, let's stop and ask for the old ways. And then as He starts to open up these ways, because you see, He's talking about there's more than one area. Stand in the ways, which means there's many ways you can go right now. But I need you to focus on one way because there is one path. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So we want to go and we want to ask the Lord tonight to start revealing to us 
the old ways. His ways. That we would be able to find rest for our souls as we walk this journey of life together. In Genesis 3.9, God asked man a question when they was in the garden. When the first misdirection happened, when the really first step to chaos started, was when man disobeyed God. And they found themselves, Adam and Eve, eating from this tree that they were instructed not to eat of. And when they did, it opened their mind to a place that they could not comprehend and was not prepared for to death. And as they done this, they seen themselves in a whole nother light that they've never seen themselves before. They had always been in that state, but they had never truly seen themselves for who they was because they was covered by Almighty God. When they stepped out of that covering, a whole new identity took place upon them of nakedness, of shame. Just like one of us would feel if all my clothes were stripped off naked before you right now, there would be shame. There would be a level of wanting, of wanting to hide. My identity's been, been changed. You're going to see me in a whole nother way. It's impure. It causes all types of fear, anxiety, and doubts. And this is where they find themselves. And God asked man a question in Genesis 3-9 that it would be wise if we asked ourselves daily. God said, where are you? He knew where they was the whole time. And we're going to bounce. This whole study is going to be directed off from three questions. They're a little bit different than how God posed it to me and them because now we have the covering of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in relationship with Him. But the first thing that He will ask man still today is where are you? What do you want? Why do you want it? Mm. Many of us are in places of decision right now in the house of the Lord, trying to make decisions for the next chapters of our life. And God says, where are you right now? Why do you want what you are asking for? What is the reason that you come to Freedom Ministries on Sunday night to receive freedom through the truth of God's Word? Why is it that you want addiction to be broken off from your life? Why is it that you don't want to be a drug addict anymore? Why is it that you don't want to be an alcoholic anymore? Why is it that you don't want to be an adulterer anymore? Why is it that you don't want to have lust issues that's out of control over your life? Why is it that you don't want to be angry anymore? Why is it that you don't want to carry bitterness with you anymore? Why is it... That we are coming into the house of the Lord. What are you seeking the Lord for? What is the purpose of your crying out to Him even in this moment? Because you see, if you ever want the right answers to life, you've got to be able to ask the right questions. Without the right questions, we can't receive the right answers. During the key to this exercise as we go through this together, I would ask that throughout this week that you ask yourself these in the privacy of your home as you're meditating upon the Word of God throughout this week. 
that you would read Genesis chapter 3 and that you would look upon the questions that God asked man starting in verse 9 of chapter 3 and start asking yourself these questions and then write them down. Start putting it down on paper and start making a journal. And watch how God can use these journals and how He can use these questions to help direct you for the next steps of your life. In the course of this exercise, you will learn some areas about your life that you might not have known otherwise. During this exercise, this can surface areas of self-centeredness and selfishness within side of our life that takes us out of the covering and the presence of God that we would start building blocks of our lives on the unstable ground of selfishness that will inevitably lead us to another collapse in the future. As you see, life in Christ, relationship with Jesus Christ, true freedom, which is Christ, there is no selfishness there. The life of Christ is selflessness. So the whole point of discipleship is God is reading, is God is declaring the word to His people is to surface self-centeredness with inside us of our flesh in that we will be able to recognize those areas to turn them over to Him and to allow Him to take those areas of our life and to be able to bridge Himself into them so that we become men and women that's not for the moment seeking our own gratification and our own pleasure in our own life, but every step that we take is to lead our lives and others around us closer to Him. It says, Matthew 6.33, Seek you first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. We've explained this in a little bit of detail here over the past few weeks. But as we're seeking this direction, and as we're seeking God's presence to lead and guide us, He says, now, I want you to start seeking something first, which is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God relates to authority. Within inside of the walls of a kingdom, there's a judicial system. There's an authority of that specific piece of land. Each and every one of us, whether we're an addict in addiction, seeking to be freed from addiction, whether we've been freed from addiction, and now we're walking in a course of discipleship and learning our way in the Lord and how we are to live this life and what God has planned for our life, He says, you are now part of a new kingdom. You're no longer part of the kingdom of this world. You are part of me. That I am the master. I am the Lord of this kingdom. So in this kingdom, it's not just a free-for-all that we get to do and live life however that we want. But we have to live in this kingdom according to the rules, according to the law of the magistrate of the kingdom, which is Jesus Christ. He says once that we learn through His Word what these boundaries and what this authority is, and we learn to submit to the authority of the land, which is Him, they... He says, a house divided can will not stand. 
house divided is going to collapse, it's going to fall. When we're in a divided kingdom, that kingdom cannot stand. That kingdom will suffer. That kingdom will suffer areas of, of defeat. And the Lord is so merciful, He's so gracious to us because He's a God of love. He says, as you come into this kingdom, I'm not going to make you stay in it. I'm not going to force myself upon you in this kingdom because I'm a king like no other. I'm a king that loves you and wants the best for you and wants to prosper you and wants to give you a hope and a future. But it's going to be your choice of whether you want to submit yourself to my authority to be able to receive these blessings and these promises. So he says, seek you first my kingdom, which is himself His authority, which then bridges into others. The kingdom is made up of more than one individual. A kingdom is made up of a multitude of people. So when you submit yourself to the authority of a kingdom, when you submit yourself to the authority of the land, you're not only submitting yourself to the authority out of respect, love, and honor to who the authority figure is because you have desired that you want to live there. But now, as you pick up this authority and as you start to walk this authority in your life, you desire for others around you to be like-minded, to want to raise up the same standard, the same kingdom values, so that we're going the same direction. How miserable is it to live in a kingdom or to live in a world to where the person next to you does not value the same things that you value, not just because you value it, but it's because it's what the majority of the land wants to value, and it's because it's what the authoritative figure of the land, the king of the land, desires. And when you know that the king of the land, the Lord of the land, wants the best for you, that loves you, that wants to prosper you, give you a hope and a future, then you want everybody around you to come up underneath of the same covering that you have come up underneath of so that your family can experience the best of that kingdom. So that your children, as you're growing up beside the house next door, you're not afraid to let them out in in the front yard and the backyard to be able to play with the neighbor kids because you know the neighbor kids' mom and dad has the same core values as you do. You know that they are safe there. You know that they're going to be speaking the same language as you are. You know they're going to have the same value system that you are. And God says, I need you to first seek me my authority over your life and in the earth and bring unity to my people that you are not only just focused on yourself, but you are focused upon your neighbor because you love your neighbor. You want them to experience the same blessings as what you are experiencing and what you know that your master has in plan and wants the best for their life. He says now, Seek ye first kingdom of God in His righteousness. The Lord says in Romans 3.23 that there is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Correct? He is the righteousness to our life. According to Isaiah 54.17, as we sing songs about, He says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Any tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And your righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. He is your righteousness. 
And then all of these things shall be added to you. What things shall be added to our life? Well, as you read before this verse, they're seeking actual life. The things that you need to build to actually live life. Not just breath, food, clothing. He says, I want to give these things to you and I will give these things to you. But I'm going to do it only my way. So we're going to stop there for just a second. And uh, <clears throat> we're going to evaluate this for a minute because I know we got a, a whole lot of yes, amens in the house of the Lord. But what I fear is that there's a lot that's not actually experiencing and walking this right now. And God wants you to be able to experience His best. So we can come into the house of the Lord. We can throw hands of worship all day long. We can yes, amen messages all day long. But those things will not transform you. Walking the truth is what's going to transform you and change your life. Not just speaking it, thinking it. Actually walking it. That's why he says, stand you in the ways and see, ask for the old paths, which is the right way, and walk therein. And then you will find rest. If you don't walk in it, you will have no rest. Amen? He says, what are some of these things and how we are going to obtain them in life? Where are you right now? I ask you a question tonight is where are you? Are you in a place of rest? Are you in a place of peace right now in your mind? Are are you in a place of joy? Are those things connected to the Lord? Because you can have those things outside of the presence of God. They won't stand. I'm asking a specific question tonight. Not that you're happy where you are because you have everything that you need. That you're in a good place. You have your health. All these things. Is it connected to God? Is the source of what makes you feel this way that you do, if those qualities and if those characteristics are part of your life, are they because they are grounded in God? Or do you not have them at all? And the Lord says we have to deal with this issue right here and right now. Because just as Adam and Eve, He said, where are you? He poses the question all day long to His people and sometimes we're in a place of nakedness. We're in a place of walking away from Him. We really don't have His covering. We're really not in His peace. We're we're battling right now cutting off the phone numbers to our last boyfriend. We're trying to cut off our supply chain to the last dope man. We're trying to cut off escape routes to the next liquor store. We're still trying and figuring out ways of how we are to delete pornography off from our phone in different areas that we struggle with. We're still fighting rage with inside of our minds where we want to beat the absolute crap out of our boss or somebody on the job site when we walk in because things aren't going our way and, and we become this self-centered uh, peace that's life that's just this shell where we become empty because our life has started to become consumed upon ourselves instead of being 
brought out to be cast and transformed into the life and the heart of God. And he says, I need you to examine tonight where you are. If you're hiding right now, it's time to come out. He don't come with a whip and say, I know where you've been, young lady. I know where you've been, young man. I know what's going on. And let me bring you out into the public so I can whip you with a cat of nine tails or I can break out my flog and I can publicly humiliate you here on the spot and bring you into a place of correction. No, that's not what the Lord does. That's not how He has ever operated. He operates in gentleness. In Galatians 6, one, he says, brethren, if anyone, if any of your brothers or sisters is caught in a fault, you who are spiritual shall restore such a one with the spirit of gentleness, looking unto yourself, lest you also be tempted, because know where you come from. And know what you still deal with today on a daily basis. And know that I am the only one that keeps you from a complete place of depravity. And without me, you would sink back into a place of despair that's so dark and so wretched and so nasty that nobody would want to be around you. So don't look at your brothers and sisters that's caught in a place of compromise in such a negative light. Bring the truth in the spirit of gentleness, but be gentle because I am gentle to you. And I want the best for you. But because I want the best for you, I'm going to give you the truth. And now it's up to you of whether you want the help that I have to be able to offer you. And the Lord speaks that to all of creation. I want the best for you. Here I am. I gave a precious gift to you, my Son, your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that paid for the very sin that you are in. And I want to forgive that sin. And then I want to restore a relationship that's been broken between you and me. And I want to bring you into right fellowship. And then I want to teach you how to walk. I want to teach you how to be a man. I want to teach you how to be a woman of God. I want to teach you how to be a husband, a mother, a grandmother, a grandfather. I want to teach you how to be a friend, a co-worker. I want to teach you how to be a minister. I want to teach you these things. But as you're part of my kingdom, you've got to come up underneath of my authority and you've got to allow me to be able to speak into your life. And now we go down. And as you finish this journaling and uh, these discussions here, uh, the first part of this week, and I pray that you do these things because I tell you, you know, the Scripture says that the Lord will use the simple things to confound the wise. You know what I found in my journey over this past decade? Is God used something so simple as journaling, writing things down to change my thoughts and to help me to understand deep things with inside of my mind that I couldn't see. Because when it was put on paper, I could not escape it. 
And because I was seeking freedom and I truly wanted to be set free, and when the truth of God come upon me and I found that it was not part of my life, it would bring me to a place to my knees to where I would start seeking the answer. Lord, I know where I am. I'm not in the right place in my mind and my spirit. I can't react the way that You desire me to react, Lord. I can't have the right thoughts that You want me to have, God. Help me to be able to understand Understand how to be able to apply your truths. Lord, come in and save me and help me to be able to learn your word and to walk your word, to experience your peace and your freedom. And I would write down the situations that I was in in detail. And I would write down the things in my mind that was going on. And as I would start to study it out, and over the days I would read through these journals and these failures in my life. God would start to reveal specific issues with inside of me, thought process and patterns. He revealed the patterns through the written ink of my life. Because as I started to write the letter of my life to the world, so to speak, and the book of Jeremiah Jeffers started to be, to be pinned on paper, I could not deny the main character, the star of the book, which was me, and how he lived his life, how he handled certain things, what his thought process was, how these things started to manifest itself and patterns started to come in. And the God, God started to open up certain areas of my life to where they become familiar. So then when I would step into these familiar situations, even though they were different surroundings, the spirit was the same. That was driving them in me. The declination factor, the pool of the world was the same. The enemy's attack was the same. These lust issues that I had. The selfishness inside of Jeremiah Jeffers started to be revealed. Because the things I was desiring to add to my life was for me not to be able to give them back to God. And it caused a great conflict with inside of my body and inside of my spirit. That conflict is so great. When you are in that type of spiritual warfare and you're coming and you're seeking deliverance of God and God has moved upon your life and you submitted your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the world hasn't changed around you, you are in a process of being transformed. That is a place of warfare. That is a place like World War III. You've got to be able to man up, woman up, and know who you are and who who you desire to be to stand through the process of time. Amen. Woo! And you better be connected in that moment to like-minded men and women that's going to help lead you the same way in that place of accountability. Or the arsenals that's been formed against you will blow you off the map. Who say, I don't sound like the Lord. Well, all through God's Word, He talked about relationship. First to Himself, and then to others. Can God move outside of the context of His Word? He's God. He'll never move outside of the context of His Word because His Word is truth. He is the reality. 
You say, well, what about men in prison and things that's had their life transformed and are on fire for the things of God? They're not by themselves on fire blazing through the penitentiary. They've had a minister that's come up alongside of them. They've submitted themselves to an authority. At some point in time, they've heaped like-minded men around them or women around them that's going the same direction because they decided, I'm going to dwell in this kingdom. I don't want to live in the kingdom of chaos and of the world anymore. God, help me to be part of your kingdom. And the Lord says that He adopts us into His family. He takes us, He calls us out by name into this place of freedom and deliverance. And then He lays before us the roadmap to life in 2 Corinthians 3.3. He says, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. What does that mean? You're talking about ink, and now God's saying that it's not about the ink. Well, what He's doing is, is He's trying to give us an example in this picture. See, Christ said that He did not come to abolish the law, which means to eliminate the law, but He came to fulfill the law. And Christ said in John 8, 31 and 32, He said to the Jews which believed upon Him, if you continue in My Word, you are truly My disciple, and then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Amen? Jesus said, He is the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father but by Me. So he says, you show that you are a letter from Christ. What does that mean? That means a life lived. It doesn't mean that you're sitting here writing a book. It means that you are a life lived. Somebody can read your life. And what is it when you read, when you read a book? You can read that book, go back, and chapter one didn't change. Chapter 2 didn't change. It's the same. There's a consistency in writing in a book. Once it's been put on paper, that's what it is. The only one that can change is in the author unless it's plagiarism. And then that's a crime. So the Lord says, I'm not going to plagiarize. You're not going to be plagiarized. What you're going to do is you're going to become my life. So when the world reads you, you are a consistent voice. There's consistency in your walk. So when they go back and they read chapter 1 two years from now of Jeremiah Jeffers and they say, huh, I'm going to look back into Jeremiah Jeffers' life two years down the road and whether they've known me or seen me or anything that I'm doing in life, when they peer into Jeremiah Jeffers, it's going to look like the last time that they've seen me in the same chapter and it's going to point back to the Lord. He said, seek to become this letter that's written from Christ, the result of our ministry. The body. Ministry is a connection to a team of people, kingdom-like-minded people, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. He says now, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, we're to submit ourselves to God. Amen. That we are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to Him which is a reasonable service, that you'd be transformed, that you wouldn't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right? Transformation by the renewing of your mind through God's Word. God's Word is Spirit. 
God is spirit. God moves in accordance with his word in the earth. He says that he does nothing in the earth unless he first speaks it through his prophets. Number one, through Jesus Christ, through to us, through us. And he says, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. What is the heart? Heart in the Greek uh, come from a Greek word cardia, which means your innermost thought process. It's here. It's not here. It's everything of who you are inside. It's what makes you who you are. Where your decisions come from is from your mind. Why do you act or react the way you do? It's because of who you are here. Scripture says how you think is who you are. Basically the proverb. Do you know who you are tonight? Do you know you are a child blood-bought by Jesus Christ Himself? That He loves you unconditionally. He wants the best for you. Do you know who you are? Do you know where you are right now? The things that you're seeking to come out of, this desire of things that you're, the places that you're trying to go in your life, why do you want it? Do you want it for yourself or do you want it to be for God? Hey, there's no, there's no gray area. You say, well, I don't know. How am I supposed to know? I don't know. You better figure it out. You need to get alone with the Lord. And if you don't have answers to the questions he poses, then you need to stop and stand still long enough until he gives you the answer. And I would suggest that you don't move to the right or the left, to the back, or even move forward until the answer comes. Because the answer of God is going to dictate your whole life. The next steps that you take, if they're not directed by God, and you walk according to your own mind, and you hear the truth of God, but you ignore the truth of God, or maybe if you don't know the truth of God yet, you need to be getting the answers from Him for your life. And if you don't know where to go to, to be able to connect to the body of Christ through consistent men and women of God, pillars of faith that's time-tested, that can outgive you those answers and lead you by the presence of God into you seeking the Lord into you be able to receive these answers for your life. So this is imperative for our freedom. McGurry says the map of life exists. Yes, it's the Word of God. And what's the Word of God for? Here's some scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, as we've been talking tonight. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, which means it was wrote by man, but led by His Spirit. It's not man's words, it's God's words. So you have to know that in this kingdom, your authority is the Word. Your authority is Christ through the Word of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness. Which means He is the, the instructor. He is our life coach. Why? Why does He desire to be this life coach? And why does He desire to direct our lives? Why does He desire for our minds to be 
adjusted to Him? Why does He not want us to go one degree off, two or three degrees off, and walk years of our life? Because it's the same principle as a physical compass. Because we walk a year out of adjustment to God's Word, and we've got sin that's heaped up into our life that we've condoned, that we're living with people outside of God's covenant marriage, that we've heaped up addiction, and we're toying around and piddling around with dope, and we got... We've decided we're not going to do heroin and meth, but we're going to smoke some weed. And we say, oh, we're not going to do these things, but I'm going to pop some pills. And I'm not going to do these things, but I'm going to drink some beer here and there. And I'm going to cloud my mind and my judgment. Or now, you know what? I'm going to be, I'm going to be a person that's, uh, peace and essence, self-control this length of time. But if they touch this button in me, it's World War III. They better not go there or hell's going to come up out of the ground and all the angels of darkness are going to follow with it. And that type of mentality. When, when we start, when we start directing areas of our life outside of God's presence and who He desires for us to be, then we start building blocks to our life through time that's built on the unstable ground of selfishness outside of the solid rock of Jesus Christ. And through time, as other areas are built on top of them, as you build your family out of compromise, you build your marriage based off from compromise. Your relationships are based off from compromise. How you conduct yourself in and through the earth is based off from compromise. The reason for your job is compromised because it's for your own self. It's nothing to do for God. When you heap up things and you base it off from what you want instead of what God wants, He said over time it starts to lean. Have you ever seen a big retaining wall that stands 20 foot tall? These people have, holds back dirt, holds back fill dirt, or you see you drive down the interstate, they got these big stone or uh, walls sometimes, it's big uh, columns of concrete, and they're leaning a little bit. Unaddressed, that wall over time is going to fall over. It's not able to produce the function in which it was created for. Because what it stands on is not solid. God says all through the Word, I don't desire for you to be perfect. I don't mean that every step you're going to take is going to be this exact image. But know that I will, that in time, as you seek me, when we do put blocks onto our life that's out of kilter or out of adjustment, he will come upon his, us by His Holy Spirit to correct us, to show us, hey, hey, stop for a minute here. Let's not put another block on your life right now. Let's deal with this issue right here, guys. Men, women, and God, let's, let's deal with, okay, we struggle with relationship. We don't know how to build godly relationships. We don't know what it looks like to have a, a relational, a godly relationship between a man and a woman. And we do it outside of God's boundaries. God says, hey, 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 let's stop and address this issue for a minute. You've got to make a decision. I call for a certain way of life in my kingdom. I call for something to come from you that I require of you in this kingdom because I know things that you don't. 
You say, well, I want it this way. I want it so bad. God says, I want it for you too. But I don't want it to hurt you. God don't want to keep things from us. He don't want to keep you from relationships. He don't want to keep you from feeling good. You say, well, this pill, it helps me to feel good. You say, well, this, this drink, this substance helps me to be able to go the next day. I'm still serving God, man. I'm still coming in. I'm still doing things for God. God says, hey, 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 you're not the boss. You did not write the script because I see further than you do. I know what these things will do to your life and people around you down the road. We've got to do something about it. Let my spirit move upon you to adjust this block according to the line of God's word so we can now go to the next step. You say, well, I got one a couple blocks. And I hadn't addressed relationship issues. Now I'm in an unholy relationship. And now I'm in a job. And I'm, it's all about me. It's nothing about the Lord. Well, now I'm starting to abuse substance again because now I'm trying to deal with an unholy relationship. It's not working out quite the right way, but I need the physical part of it so bad that I, I have to stay connected to it. And now i got this job. i got to pay my bills. I can't get out of it. It's taking me away from everything. And now I've got to take this in order to just maintain to keep all these things up. I need to be able to keep this relationship with God. I need to be able to keep this job. Because if you want me to work, you want me to be productive in the, in the, in the world. And you said that it's not good for man to be alone. All these things. And God says, ho, ho, ho. I want all these things for you too. But do you see a pattern here? How many blocks down do we need to go to? And the Lord says, see, sometimes we come into trouble because of unaddressed issues in life, and then we run into a big problem. So you see, so now through a process of time and attic, we'll keep all these other foundational issues out of kilter. Five, ten years down the road, they've added so many blocks to their life, they can't balance it all. It's crushing in on them. It's out of control. And now the next thing you know, they're back in trouble with the law again because they've started to abuse things in their in their body and they've made decisions to break the law of the land, which is absolute crazy and chaos because their life's so out of control that they would rather make the decision to put themselves in the bondage than go to a place of peace. Or they find themselves captivated in a place of depression and, and lack of identity in God that they find themselves wrapped up full bore into, into horrendous things and the life-controlling issues uh, that's done in the darkness that's absolutely destroying their life and they are experiencing the word not in the promise but in the curse of John 10.10 the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy and now that's their life those are the three main parts and character makeup of their body is death and destruction and the Lord says but I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly now he says now we cannot just address this block okay you got in trouble with the law okay your, your relationship your wife's left you, your kids, you lost your job. Before those things ever happen, before the big events ever happen, there's always a series of small events that has happened over time. The enemy never just comes on us and just wreaks havoc and chaos in our life in a blink of an eye like that. He does it through time. So then, what he does, the reason why, and I gotta speak this to you so you know and have an understanding tonight, the reason why this compass, that he is so important, 
Because you have to realize something. Once you come to that place of bondage, and we come to a place to know that we are naked and destitute, that we are absolutely broken before God, and we know that we need help, you've got to go back a long way to come back to building blocks here 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago that wasn't laid quite right, and when it's adjusted outside of God's Word and you put yourself in authority over it, He says, you know what? Before we can ever go somewhere else, I can't just take this compromise, this legal issue from you, this health issue, these things from you right now. If I did and I gave you a perfect block for it, everything that you're built upon is not strong enough to stand and you will corrupt it. You will destroy it. This good block, this good piece of life, this good job, this good husband, this good wife, these good things that I want to give to you, if I put it on top of who you are right now, now you couldn't handle it and you would destroy it not because you meant to but because you don't have the foundation to be able to hold it up for me so we have to go back how do we go back one tool that I want to give you that God has helped use me and my testimony I pray will help use for you and I know countless men and women around the world that God has used this for is to start writing your life down. Start making a journal of your journey. Not only the high points, but the low points and be honest in it. If you want freedom and you want to be free and you want relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and you want to experience His covenant promises in and through your life, you've got to make a decision right now. That you know where you are. You identify yourself. You make decisions. Why? You ask yourself, what do you want? Why do you want it? And then you start navigating the steps of your life are from God's truth. And you've got to allow God to change certain things about you. You don't get to pick and choose of what you're going to keep and what you're going to let go. You say, well, you're, you're an abusive husband or a wife or a child. You've got all these other underlying issues that people can't see, but God sees and they do hinder and they control your life. God says... I need you to let me touch that area of your life for us to go to the next place. He says, why is my word so important? Why has it been given for inspiration instruction for mankind? So 2 Timothy 3.17, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God wants to equip you through this equipping, He's going to challenge you. If you don't like to be challenged, and if you run from a challenge, you're not going to receive the freedom. If you are so cowardly that you can't face reality, God has to break that from you. And we all become cowards at times. But God, He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. 
He's mighty in power. The Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10.4 that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of the flesh, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Thank you, Jesus. Will you allow God to complete you? Will you allow God to equip you for the work of the Lord? And that is his question to every addict around the world that wants to be set free. I don't care if you're in a secular program, a Christian program, a church service. He asks the same question the same ways because his foundation is always the same and it's built the same. There is no difference because your geographical location on the map, it's the same in China and Russia as it is for you here right now. And that's why the Word of God is so powerful. That's why the Word of God is so simple because it is the same. It does not change. He does not change his method. He may change how the method is delivered, but he will never change the core value of his work and his authority. In Acts 3.19, he says, here's the answer. Well, all of this wrapped into one, he says, and when it all comes down to this and when we're in a place of decision and you feel like that you, you can't breathe, anxiety set in, we're, we're hyperventilating, We don't know if we can make this decision. We don't know if we can break this relationship. We don't know if we can really stop what we're doing. But we really want to, but we don't know how to say it or how to set those boundaries or how to be able to do it. And we're nervous because we're scared. And we're scared because we're scared of reaction, not only of other people, but we're scared of reaction from from ourselves even in the middle of it, of setting some of these boundaries. Or will we be able to control? The Lord says, Acts 3.19, Repent, turn to God. Repent means to change your thought process right now. Do a 180. You're thinking this way, but I've called you over here. He says, completely turn around to me. That your sin will be blotted out. And that times of refreshing means in the Greek to breathe easily again. Times of being able to breathe and rest. It's not, or you're suffocating and you can't breathe in lack of oxygen. Steady, consistent, slow, controlled breathing. Because your breathing don't mean that you're breathing in the rest of the Lord. Controlled, consistent. What's the letter? Chapter one, two, three. What's it going to look like next year down the road? One, two, as we start to bring our life into a close proximity of God's presence award and allow Him to dwell in and through us. He says now, He says, through times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Not might come to you. Not well, God's got some things other things. No. When you truly turn to Him and you say, God, I've been stepping the wrong way. I am a degree off right now on my compass. Adjust me, Lord. Forgive me. Move upon my life. 
Teach me, instruct me, guide me. Connect me in your kingdom. I want to be under your kingdom covering in your authority, Lord. Be the Lord of my life. He shall send refreshment to you by his presence. God wants to refresh someone in the house of the Lord tonight that's been a degree or two off of of course. God desires in His kingdom family values. Family, God's family, God's kingdom is based off of love. When a family member starts going the wrong way, or they hurt us, or we're hurt by them, or we've hurt them. Families don't turn their back on one another. A family wants what's best for those that they love. And God, I believe, wants to restore relationships in the house of the Lord tonight in accordance to His Word for the family virtue of God and the presence of God and His unity to bless and encourage you and to take you the distance to connect you not only to Him, but to each other in accountability. You've got to be allow yourself to be held accountable when you're wrong. You've got to be able to allow God to be able to speak not only through His person and through His written Word, but through brothers and sisters in Christ that's in God's Word, that's leading in accordance to God's Word. If it never points back to God's Word, then I would brush it off and I would cast it off to the side. When it is in with God's Word, and what you're being asked and what you're being led into is from God's Word, and the presence of the Lord is in it, you've got to allow yourself in that moment to start asking some questions. God, help connect me back to my family. Something inside of me separating me from my family right now. Now we got to talk and work these things out together. We can't just ignore it. We come in and we find out and we talk with one another and we pray and we call a fellowship meeting together if we have to. And we go the distance together. We say, you know what? You've hurt me. I've hurt you. You know, you're going to be hurt in this Christian life just because you come into the presence of the Lord and the house of the Lord and you're seeking freedom. Everything's just going to know God's teaching us every step that we take. Sometimes He uses sandpaper brothers and sisters. That means their course, they haven't been honed down. When they come up against you, they take something off from you because they're like this coarse grit of sandpaper. Every time you come up on them, they're honing you down, man. But at the same time that they're sharpening you, you're knocking a piece of grain of roughness off from them. It's important that we do not abandon the process of God because of hurts. Psalm 147.3 says that He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Now, we're going to stop right now for a moment. And I'm going to ask tonight, 
If there's any wound in the house of the Lord that has been unaddressed, that separated you from the fellowship of your brothers and sisters in the Lord, that we come together tonight and we allow the presence of God to bring a unity and to reunite us back together.